Hello and welcome to the New York Farm Bureau's Weekly News Bite, bringing you the latest news from the New York State agriculture world. Welcome to New York Farm Bureau's News Bites. I'm Steve Ammerman, Director of Communications for New York Farm Bureau. Last week, we explored the diversity of agriculture on Long Island. It's an incredibly diverse sector, ranging from fruit and vegetable farms to wineries, aquaculture, nurseries, equine, sod, and so much more. But if there's one thing they all have in common, it's support from agricultural professionals that assist in some of the more technical needs to better manage their operations. This includes Cornell Cooperative Extension, which is part of Cornell's land-grant mission, as well as Soil and Water Conservation District in Suffolk County. Their work is important in many ways, including providing environmental management plans, as well as conducting research to benefit farms. And this is especially crucial as farms across the state are dealing with climate change and its impacts. We start our conversation with Noor Catlin, the Ag Program Director for Cornell Cooperative Extension of Suffolk County. We begin with wanting to hear her take on Long Island agriculture. It's funny you say that because I was one of those people. I'm not a Long Island native, and I've told this story umpteen times. And I had colleagues when my job 17 years ago came up, they said, you should apply for this job. And I was like, there's no agriculture on Long Island. (laughs) So I'm pleased to say I'm very, very wrong. I guess what I would encapsulate Long Island agriculture is, is diverse. I think there's so much diversity here. There's anything. Even just here, there's figs, there's raspberries, there's vegetables, there's wine grapes. Almost you name it, we, we have it in some, some capacity. Maybe small, maybe large, but I think Long Island ag is diverse. First of all, we've got great soils, great climate, great sunshine. But one of the things that is probably one of the driving forces is that we have a large population. Because of that population and some some of the money that's coming with that population, it offers the opportunity to diversify and find little niches that you can you can fill in to, to meet that population's demand. So where does Cornell Cooperative Extension fit into agriculture on the island? The quickest way to summarize what we do is we work to support the growers through education and research. So on the education side, we'll do things like newsletters, workshops, conferences, twilight meetings to make sure that the farmers know what research is being done, not only by us, but other researchers at Cornell or other universities or what's going on in the industry. We also help them navigate things like when new regulations come up, we educate them about what the regulations are and what they need to do to comply with those. On the research side, because we're different than where the other research centers of Cornell are located, our soil is different, our climate's different, it allows us to answer questions that are specific to our growers. What varieties work well here? What are the best ways to manage pests that are issues here, but maybe not elsewhere? So we're able to do that localized research and provide that direct support to our growers. And the last sort of component is just the one-on-one. We're here as a resource, so growers can call us and say, hey, I have this issue in my crop, or what's the best fertilizer I should use, or how, how should I tackle this problem? And we can come out and help them identify what the problem is and find that best course of action to, you know, fixing it or mitigating it or eliminating that problem in the future. Farms on Long Island are dealing with hotter days and more extreme weather events. So we wanted to know from Nora, what kind of work is addressing the needs and concerns around climate change? So, I mean, if a new invasive pest comes in as an example, the research is really important because we're able to you know, help identify how you manage that, whether it's through cultural methods or, or you know, if it's needed to use a pesticide. It's a new pest. We don't have that information. So that information needs to be generated. So we'll work with growers to do that. As anything changes, whether it's a new invasive pest or climate change or, or anything else that might change on the landscape of agriculture, 
The research is important to provide that additional information. You know, climate change, maybe there's some modeling programs that might help growers better time their crops or better time management decisions. Doing the research to figure out what are the best ways to, to improve soil health and helping the growers figuring out which practices best work here on Long Island for, for our climate, for our soils, for our crops are all important things, I think, of the research. And we do work closely with the farmers, so trying to make sure that we know what the problems are coming from their perspective and addressing those needs, trying to be like a, a grassroots bottom, bottom up approach. We've always done work with soil health. I think that's going to be one of the the key factors moving forward in climate resiliency is improving our soil health and what methods that we can do um, and encouraging growers to adapt those methods. So I think that will continue. I'd like to do some work with things like looking at irrigation, improving irrigation efficiency, things like that. Also, you never know when the next invasive pest is coming. So you just always have to kind of be on alert and in touch with your colleagues around the country to know when the next pest might be coming so that we might have some information at the ready if and when it shows up and also just how, how to look for that pest and be aware that it's out there. The way we do research at Extension, you know, there's, there's a few facets of it. Sort of the step one is we'll try to do some small replicated trials and then we need to bring those to farmers. And a lot of times what we'll do is we'll work with the farms to then take the practices that we've identified that's worked on a small scale, either by our researchers or maybe some other university, and then we bring it to the farm and then have them adopt to the, using it on their property in a small scale trial so they get familiar with that practice. We try to minimize a grower's risk when they're, they're taking on a new practice. But all in all, you know, that it does take a lot of time to get from point A to point B and ultimately point C when many other people, it becomes a wide scale adoption. So research, it's a long term investment so that you can start with the small trials and build on those to industry adoption of those practices. So to get to the point where if we want growers to adapt new sustainable practices or learn more about them so they're willing to adapt them, we have to be able to rewind and, and do that small-scale research to get to that point. Continued and consistent funding is important because you don't want to wait until there's a crisis and a critical moment. You want to be able to have some things in place. I think the one-on-one the -on -one relationship that we have with our growers is really important because it allows us to understand what their problems are so that we can address them. As a farmer, I think it would be really difficult to, to navigate new research on your own. So it's nice to be able to try some things out so that they don't have the risk of trying something new because it's their livelihood on the line. As we said, farmers are also working closely with the soil and water conservation districts across the state, including on Long Island. We spoke with Anne-Marie Calabro, the agronomist for the Suffolk County Soil and Water District, and she started out by telling us a little about her role. I work with farmers to develop conservation plans and determine practices that suit conservation on their farms, things that they're interested in to benefit soil health or water quality, reduce erosion. Anne-Marie and Nora both work closely with Sangley Farms, a 100-acre organic vegetable farm that direct markets to their customers. Anne-Marie explains how that work has evolved through the years to improve the farm sustainability. Since 1999, they were one of the first conservation plans ever written. When the Ag Environmental Management Plan started, we called it the AEM program. They were one of the first to jump on board and, you know, get involved in starting to look at conservation and how they could do better on their farm. Some of the projects I've worked on here with Sang Lee is a long list. One of the 
The biggest projects that I've worked on here is changing over their irrigation to more efficient systems. So we've designed and helped implement a lot of drip irrigation systems with the drip tape. So what's the root zones instead of, you know, having to wet a whole field. So that saves water. Cover cropping is is another big one. And Will has taken that to a, a whole nother level. So when we started out just cover cropping fields and keeping the fields covered, he saw the benefits in the soil and for the environment and everything. And he started taking it to the next level with some of his mixes. He makes some really great mixes. They're amazing. They're amazing. So he lets me know before he terminates, before he has to like cut it down or, you know, turn it under so I can get out there and have a look at it. He's proud of it too. I think for a lot of farms, the initial site visit is is like an, an inventory. And it gives the farm an idea of, you know, where they fall on the scale of conservation. How good are they as stewards? Because it's it's a ranking system. It has like four tiers. You you would either be ranking really high for conservation or or low where you can maybe incorporate a, a practice or something else to, to change it, to, you know, maybe mitigate soil erosion or reduce your, your water, like increase efficiency, stuff like that. They find it important. It's voluntary. So we don't solicit the farms. They come to us because they're interested in our programs. So how has climate change played a part in what farms are doing? I'm going to be honest and say climate change as a broad topic, no, but changes in the weather and the seasons has come up and we have discussed different challenges that they're facing, you know, due to those changes, whether they're mild or severe. Mild winters can increase pest pressure or, you know, fungus in the field or something of that nature. Or maybe a crop that was supposed to winter kill didn't winter kill because it was a little too mild and then they have to deal with terminating a cover crop that should have fizzled out. So mild winters definitely plays a part. It's something that is a conversation often. Rainstorms, the severity and duration and the volume of the rainstorms, you know, so you're not having that precipitation spread out over a long period of time over the whole season. You're getting a lot of rain all at once, which causes, you know, loss of nutrients, organic matter, erosion. It causes runoff. It upsets the neighbors sometimes, things of that nature. So I think the conversations are how do we deal with these things that are happening that are kind of a result of, you know, changing climate? The planting times are starting to shift a little bit. You know, the, the seasonality of harvest, like the end of the season might be coming a little later now, you know, so where it's important to get your cover crop in in October, are you going to take off all your broccoli and cabbage because you have to plant that cover crop? So these are challenges that are coming too. You know, cover crop doesn't make money, but broccoli does. So... You know, things like that are happening. The plant hardiness zones have changed. They're moving up north. Over the last 20 years, we, we've completely changed by one, and they estimate that over the next 20 years that may happen again. But as the climate does change, or if the climate does change, we might have to change the crops that we're actually growing, you know, and that's something way long-term. I probably won't be around for that, but, you know, Another question we posed to Anne-Marie is what policymakers can do to help farms cope with their mitigation efforts as it relates to climate change. So from a perspective of a Long Islander across the state, Long Island has some unique qualities that you don't find upstate. You know, we have the aquifer, we have very sandy soil, we have microclimates, you know, on the north and south side. And when programs are being established, they're being established for, you know, the greater average, which is understandable. In terms about coming out to the farms and seeing the farms or learning about the different environments throughout the state, not just Long Island, because there are other 
areas like the Northeast that is so different from the southwestern side of New York. The tiers of New York, central New York is one in its own also. That's why the commodity is so different throughout the state. So I think there needs to be some more localization of programs and more understanding of the different regions. There are regions in the state that don't have agriculture at all, you know, so they kind of lose out on some of the climate resilient programs and benefits because they're not considered ag, you know, but forestry is definitely an agricultural practice and needs to be recognized across the state. It's just a matter of knowing, I guess, for the, for the legislator and the lawmakers, and it's just knowing what is really in this state. Like everything we have to offer in this state, we have maple syrup producers and we have tomatoes, you know, so it's completely different. We can't do maple syrup here and I don't know if they're going to grow tomatoes the way we do. Just getting out there and knowing and, and having more well-rounded and accessible programs, education, opportunities, putting money into research even, you know, into the Cornell University or the New York Soil Health Lab, getting money where the boots are on the ground trying to solve the problems or learn about the problems that, that are coming and happening now. New pests, new pressures. It's, it's an endless list of things that could be accomplished, you know, that we need the support from, you know, the lawmakers and the legislators. New York Farm Bureau has been an avid supporter of both Cornell Cooperative Extension and the Soil and Water Conservation Districts. Their work on Long Island and throughout the state provides much of the technical support farms need to improve what they're doing including better manage their natural resources. And this is a topic we will further explore in future episodes of New York Farm Bureau's News Bites. Well, thanks for joining us today. And until next time, make sure to thank a farmer for all that they do.